This is where you have to realize he's actually considering this. He's actually, which many of you that claim to believe have never actually taken into consideration full scale of what what this endeavor is, what you're claiming to say you believe, and what you're taking upon yourself to follow Christ. And he really is, without knowing if he can make the jump, you know, to 100% solidified, Jesus Christ is Lord and all that entails, but he's actually considering the magnitude of what that would mean in real life. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. All right, welcome back to Acts 242. This is Keith. Um, so today I have a Jordan Peterson clip, and uh, I like, I, I love uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, and um, you know, a lot of respect, a lot of admiration, but most of what he does is more pulling meaning from the faith, not necessarily agreeing with the faith, you know, when he steps in the realm of Christianity and everything. But there seems to be some sort of, a, I don't know if it's conversion or he's contemplating it differently now, but there's... You know, a lot that he's, uh, is he Christian now? Does he believe in God now? What is, you know, what is he going through? But so I want to play this clip. I haven't watched the whole thing. I just wanted to, to uh, respond uh, organically to it. I do have a disclaimer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that at the end. So no sense in giving it if you don't want to watch this video. So let's just uh, jump right into his uh, video. People often ask me, do you believe in God? Which I don't, I don't like that question. I don't like that question. I don't like that question. Yeah, I don't like the question. Doesn't like the question. <laughs> People have asked me whether or not I believe in God, and I've answered in various ways. No, but I'm afraid he probably exists. That's... No, but I believe he probably exists. Now, I guess I guess the whole point of this video is, um, is he a false prophet? All right. I'm already saying no, but I'll, I'll, I'll play along and um, see what they're getting at. But... The traditions bind the community together. Now I'm saying that, and I don't go to church, you know, and the reason I don't go to church is because, well, it drives me crazy to speak frankly. I haven't been able to sit in a situation like that ever since I was, well, ever really, <laughs> that's really the truth of it, ever. Um, I'm not convinced that that's a good thing because I do believe communal return to the source of the community's ethics is actually a necessary thing. And then, because there's also something about going where a bunch of other people are to reaffirm your commitment to, to the good that you're all, all aiming at, that's, that's got some power in it. And I don't think that that's something that we should forego. I think it's dangerous. I mean, look. So he's good at saying the utility in something, even if he doesn't believe in or agree with it, which is beneficial. Like a lot of people don't realize um, the morals that we claim to have today, the, you know, being decent human beings and decent people, that's only because there was a church. That's only because there was a religion and a faith which reminded people weekly, like he's pointing out, um, that it matters how we treat one another, that we ought to be ethical, that we ought to have good morals, that we there's certain things you don't do. And I, I've asked, you know, I have a lot of like conversations with my grandparents to understand their generation. There's a huge difference uh, between them and, say, my parents, you know, and there's a huge difference between my parents and us and so forth. But wanting to understand, you know, like the the adults of uh, the 50s, the adults of the 50s and 60s, starting families and and what those morals were when they were dating and marrying and so forth. So I've, I've had a lot of conversations with them, but, but one key thing was they had a small community and it was church-based, it was faith-based, which whether or not you believe in God or believe that Jesus is God and, and the story of Jesus is true, 
was still beneficial to know that someone, the person you're dating and courting and wanting to marry has similar morals and ethics that you have, that you're, you're aligned. Nowadays, man, roll the dice. You have no idea what they actually believe in practice. So, so I agree that there can be utility in something, but that's applicable. That's not, it has nothing to do with the Christian church. It has nothing to do with Christian, the Christian faith. Because you could say that about um, any, any other religion that could be false, could be completely made up, but there's virtue in it because it doesn't inspire or encourage people or the practice makes people uh, slightly better people, uh, makes them accountable for their actions. But that's not necessarily, that's, that's not just the Christian church. That's any religious practice or, or uh, organization of any kind. Dangerous. I mean, look, even if you're cynical about church, and I guess I would put myself in that category, it's certainly the case that communal church going in the 1950s, say, provided the average person with at least an hour a week where they were contemplating, no matter how poorly, the purpose of ethics in life and, and the idea of a higher purpose and a higher meaning in life. And you got to think that spending an hour a week thinking about that is better than never doing it at all. I don't know how to that tradition can be revivified in a meaningful way. But I think it's, I really do think it's a catastrophe that we've lost it because we don't have a center, an ethical center that holds our community together. And the consequence of that is that we're fragmenting quite badly. But what you see there is if if you view someone with love, then it's incumbent upon you to treat them as if they're valuable. And then the more you treat other people as if they're valuable, the better person you are, the higher the moral demand that's placed on you. And then I would say too, well then, that's another reason why it's so important to be truthful and and in some sense to be good because it isn't obvious to me that you can withstand that moral load if you're compromised by too much sin. It's too much. And, and that's another thing that, that we're not very good at teaching young people about. You know, we shouldn't do that. You know, it's like there's a sanctimonious authority that goes along with that that's the wrong tone. It's more like... You know, I don't know how you lay it out properly, but you tell people that you love how to avoid the road to hell. And you don't do that because you're shaking your finger at them or because you're a moral authority. You do it because you don't want them to burn. And I think there's too much of the moral authority still in the church and not enough of the, you know, the love that helps people avoid the fire. Unfortunately, it's a bit subjective. Not from him, but just people in general. You know, people in general, um, love has many different meanings. And what they what they believe is love is many different things. So that's why I say it's, it's very subjective. What is love and what is, you know, actually uh, genuine concern for someone's soul or well-being or, or just j- prosperous life? You know, I'm warning you not to do that because it's going to be harmful in this world. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, that's the problem. <clears throat> I mean, I've taken the idea of, God seriously for a very long time and I've said on multiple occasions that I try to act as though God exists and that that's essentially my definition of belief when people say do you believe in God belief is a multi-dimensional word and one question is well what do you mean by believe and for me the proof of belief is to be found in action and 
I decided that I would. That's what James says. I'll show you my faith by my works. Of course, I'm imperfect in that, inevitably. Now, she. And that's what I think Peter said. You know, we're we're, we're supposed to be walking epistles. You know. Um, and James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, it's not about what you say you believe. It's about how you walk, how you live. What are your actions? Do your actions show that you actually believe there's a God? And if you don't, then it doesn't matter what your mouth says. He's doing that more explicitly as well. And Jesus said, you know, that the things that come out of our mouth show what's on the inside of us. Uh, it's not cleaning the outside. It's not, you know, your whitewashed tombs with dead, men, dead men's bones inside of them. You look beautiful on the outside, beautiful washed marble, you know, um, but inside is corruption. You know, so every time we speak, that's, that's a form of action. We, we demonstrate what's in us. If you want to be a Christian, let's say, if you think that's necessary, it's not exactly obvious what you should do. You should go to church, but that's not, not enough, I don't think. I find it useful to contemplate the highest good on a continual basis. I'm trying to keep myself oriented in that direction. That's a, it's a religious orientation, fundamentally. It's an overwhelming orientation. But there's no escaping the questions of the ultimate meaning of life. I'm not an atheist anymore, because I don't look at the world that way anymore. I'm not a materialist anymore. I don't think the world's made out of matter. I think it's made out of what matters. It's made out of meaning. What we orient towards unconsciously, which means... So, you know, like I say, he's already in a realm where he's considering and reflecting on things that are far out of the out of the realm of normal society. Normal society doesn't debate materialism. You know, we don't have these discussions, and these conversations. And um, and to do that, you 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 do dabble in, in some difficult conversations if you're really genuine in, in reflecting on these things and, and considering uh, what we actually know. So. I don't say that. I mean, I just say it to just give a little bit of room. That's all. Just a little bit of room and consideration. For a lot of us have never had to consider these things. We just either accept it and believe it. Most people just go by their gut. I, I just believe it's true. Like, I just I, I just believe our dead loved ones are all around us or whatever the case may be. Um, we haven't really challenged our thoughts. We haven't really asked ourselves, um, how do I know this? How do I know, um, you know, whatever, that the dead spirits are still roaming the earth or whatever the case may be, or that there's a there's a God or any of it. And he actually is. And he's saying, after doing that, I can't say that it's just a material world, that there's nothing else. And, uh, you know, materialism is there's nothing outside of what is, you know, matter. There's nothing spiritual. There's nothing unseen. And, and of course, as Christians, we believe in the seen world and the unseen world, um, as well as other religions as well. But um, but materialism doesn't make any room for that. It's just whatever is matter that's here, nothing else. Um, and he's saying, look, I don't believe there's no God. And I, and I don't believe it's only ma the material world. So I think he's looking, he's searching. I don't know. Who would have the audacity? Yeah, this was the video, claim a video I shared earlier. That they believed in God. Yeah. If they examined the way they lived, who would dare say that? To, to believe, you think, to believe in a Christian sense, to actually, this is why Nietzsche said there was only ever one Christian, and that was Christ. To have the audacity to That's claim not true. that. That's not true. Means that you live it out fully. That sounds good, but it's not, yeah. And that's an, that's an unbearable task in some sense. To be able to accept the structure of existence, the suffering that goes along with it, and the disappointment and the betrayal, and, and to 
nonetheless act properly, right? To aim at the good with all your heart, right? To, to dispense with the malevolence and your desire for destruction and revenge and all of that. And to face things courageously and to tell the truth, to speak the truth and to act it out. That's what it means to believe. That's what it means. It's true. It doesn't, it doesn't mean to state it. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to this. And unless you act it out, you should be very careful about claiming it. And so I've never been comfortable saying anything other than I try to act as if God exists because yeah. God only knows what you'd be if you truly believed. I mean, if you think about it in some sense, that's the central idea in Christianity is that if you were capable of believing, it would be a transfiguring event, yeah. a truly transfiguring event. Yep. And I know people experience that to one degree or another, but we have no idea what the limit of that is. And we have no idea what the possibility is within each person if they lived a life that was maximally courageous and maximally truthful. You know, because maybe you're running at 60% or 70% or 20% and at cross purposes to yourself. God only knows what you'd be if, if you believed. And so, while I act, I try to act like I believe, but I'd never claim that I manage it. So, okay, so you can think about Christ from a psychological perspective and the, the, criti the critic, my critic, this particular critic that I've been reading said, well, that, that doesn't differentiate Christ much from a whole sequence of dying and resurrecting mythological gods. And of course, people have made that claim in comparative religion. Joseph Campbell did that. And I think I have a video on this channel called, um, uh, Zeit, is it Zeitgeist Debunked? I can't remember. You know, Zeitgeist means spirit of the age. And it just was a, it was a, almost like an, a documentary type video that came out uh, a decade or two ago. Um, basically laying out all the mythological gods and the Egyptian gods and everything um, and just showed how the story of Jesus is borrowed from all these other stories. He's just one more mythical God in a lot of many of them. And, and at first, yeah, it can shake you. You know, um, it, it made me question a lot of things, but there is a video. I think it's it's something it's it's either Zeitgeist debunked or something like that. Um, but very interesting. Um, so there, there's two sides to everything. And and only the foolish, this has this man, whether it's cults or religions or, you know, weird sects of religions, but it's the kind of foolish people, but average people tend to fall for deception at overly simplistic ideas. Like just showing a correlation between this story and Jesus doesn't necessarily mean Jesus is false. And I'm not saying me just saying that is, I'm not doing that, that work right now. Um, but, you know, check out that video. But a lot of people never hear two sides. They never hear, oh, well, what, what could be the explanation of this or, or anything? Um, anyway, I want to go through a plethora of uh, religious views that rely on people's simplistic consideration. Very, very simple, one-dimensional understanding of something. And just like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So this, this must be true. They haven't, um, they haven't really dissected it. They haven't cr uh, critiqued um, the information. So, yeah, let's see what he says. Jung to a lesser degree, I would say, but Campbell did that. But the difference, and C.S. Lewis pointed this out as well, the difference between those mythological gods and Christ was that there's a, there's a representation of, there's a historical representation of his, 
of, yeah. of his existence as well. Now, you can debate whether or not that's genuine. You can debate about whether or not he actually lived and whether there's credible objective evidence for that. But it doesn't matter in some sense because this, well, it does, but mm -hmm. there's a sense in which it doesn't matter because there's still a historical story. And so what you have in the figure of Christ is an actual person who actually lived plus a myth. And in some sense, Christ is the union of those two things. This is some, some areas that he loses me where he, it's like, man, you really could have gotten, um, you, you could have dug deep to objective reality and objective truth, and then you went back to the metaphorical. He's very, very gifted. He's phenomenal in like maps of meaning and his teaching of being able to glean um, understanding and purpose and meaning from different things. You know, so he would be great as a, if he was a Christian, he would be great in the church at, at finding spiritual meanings and messages um, in patterns through prophecy and scripture, because that's the type of person he is. But it's like he's so close to to carving out some objective reality, but then he leans back on his gift, which is finding meaning, finding metaphors, find you know, um, which that's our faith. It's typifications and patterns. That's he would. It, it's perfect for someone like him. Um, but when it comes to hashing out the objective, um, it's like no, no, no. Stay right there. Just stay right there. And I think he's saying. I don't think he's claiming it's a myth. I think he's saying, let's say it's a myth, you know, so there's a myth of Jesus, but there is a historical Jesus where these other gods, there's just a myth. There's no real history, um, you know, historical accounts outside of their, their religion. Um, so anyway. Problem is, is I probably believe that, but I don't okay. know. I don't, I'm amazed at my own belief and I don't understand it. Like, because I've seen... Sometimes the objective world and the narrative world touch. You know, that's Jungian synchronicity. Yeah. And I've seen that many times in my own life. And so in some sense, I believe it's undeniable. You know, we have a narrative sense of the world. For me, that's been the world of morality. That's the world that tells us how to act. It's real, like we treat it like it's real. It's not the objective world, but the narrative and the objective world touch. And the ultimate example of that in principle is supposed to be Christ. But I don't know what to, I, that seems to me oddly plausible, but well, I still don't know what to make of it. It's too, partly because it's too terrifying a reality to fully believe this is where you have to realize to he's actually considering it. this he's actually which many of you that claim to believe have never actually taken into consideration full scale of what what this endeavor is what you're claiming to say you believe and what you're taking upon yourself to follow christ and he really is without knowing if he can make the jump you know to 100% solidified, Jesus Christ is Lord. There is a God and Jesus Christ is his son, came to redeem mankind and all that entails. But he's actually considering the magnitude of what that would mean in real life. And many people go around claiming that they believe in God, claiming they believe in Jesus Christ and thinking that he's their savior. And, and my God, man, the things we say and do, the things we allow ourselves um, to, to recite, to repeat, to believe, to act. It's like, you uh, you can't say you believe in God. You cannot say you believe, not in this one. Or you you have no idea who he is. You have no idea. And I'm saying I'm not saying we should be terrified of him like he's a like he's a demon that's ready to kill people. But there's a there's a, a healthy balance. Consider 
instead of the, the 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 disciplinary father, and then you know Jordan Peterson could definitely do well in this area, finding meaning and purpose and, and imagery, you know, through the father and the the quintessential or the the whatever you know typical father, the disciplinary figure, and the one that you do have uh, fear and reverence towards, you know, as your father, as the head of the family, and as the disciplinarian who who will kick your butt or who will tell you, you know, uh, you're in some deep trouble um, if you do wrong. But many of you have no idea what this is. And God knows how, you know, what type of relationship you have with your father or, or whatever the case may be. But I know, I, I, I don't know. I was raised not to play with my father. You know, I, he was a disciplinary and he was someone that it did matter if, if I, I acted, if I misbehaved, if I acted in a, in a more immoral behavior. And so my relationship with God, I don't play with God. I don't, I don't, but I, it does matter. And so many people treat me. And some of my brothers as though, you know, you know, I've been called a purist, you know, and, and, you know, almost like an extremist or whatever, because I actually believe in following the faith. And it's just like, my God, where's the faith then? If I'm a purist and I, and it just because I believe we ought to go by the letter of the words of Christ, he said it. So you do it. He didn't say it. So you don't force people to do it. You know, like I, I, I that's pretty simple to me, but I don't believe the father I don't believe our Lord is someone to play with. And I don't believe it's up to my opinion to pick and choose parts of the faith that I feel like feel like um believing in. But this is a man that that I feel like the Christian ought to at least appreciate. You can say, well, he's not saved. I mean, he's gonna go to hell or whatever. I don't know. But that's cool. That's not that's not the conversation. You know, what ought, ought you ought, what you ought to be able to recognize is when you're standing in front of Cornelius and you see devotion, you see zeal for God and love for God, even if you have no idea who he is and no, you know, and you're, you're trying to consider that, but, and maybe, maybe Cornelius isn't a perfect example because he was devoted to God. He had some sort of faith that there was a God, but I guarantee you his practice of that faith, I guarantee you his understanding of God and, and everything um, wasn't in line with Christ teaching yet because he didn't have it yet. So I don't know, just allow people some room and see when someone's being genuine and someone is really, really close and saying, you're close, let me help you get there. Because we should want to help people get there, not exclude them. And, uh, fundamentally, I am a psychologist. I'm a behavioral psychologist and, and I'm a professor and I'm doing that, you know, on a much larger stage, let's say, but that's really what I'm doing. And so it's a combination of those two things. And there's a, I mean, I speak about religious matters, but I don't see myself as a religious leader. I, I don't want to make that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how much of this I'm actually going to share. I watched <clears throat> the 18 minute clip and I'm not going to share all of it. I'm going to link it in, in the description so you can check it out for yourself if you want. I think the intent of the producer of that video was trying to show the consideration of, of like through a series of quotes uh, from Jordan Peterson clips. His consideration and contemplation in his uh, genuine, you know, search to know and understand, but fear of what that may mean and to do so and, and struggling, you know, with that. But also that his overarching, you know, message shows, like he say, I act as though I believe I speak as though I believe he's he's as he's imploring his, uh, you know, fellow man, the listener. He's utilizing the words of Christ. He's he's taking the message of Christ and, and begging them to consider these things and do these things, um, which I think is worth something. You know, I think 
we ought to give that more credit where it's due and appreciation. Um, cause God knows like everyone, everyone's not going to believe, but if everyone was capable of saying, this is of merit, this is useful. And let's share this. We would all have a better life. We would all have a better world because it created the good that is in America, that it, the good that is in the world, I would argue predominantly came because of the Christian faith, Christian and, and Judaic faith. So anyone that recognizes that merit, utilizes it and helps spread that is doing good to some extent. Um, now, as far as him being a false prophet, I, I, I think I mean, it was laughable to even consider, because like he said, I'm not claiming uh, to be a, a religious leader of any kind. He's not even claiming a religion. So, um, the, uh, you know, whether it's, um, you know, semantics or not, or technicality, I don't think someone can be a false prophet without claiming to be a prophet, without claiming or acting and speaking as though he is a prophet. And I don't think he's done that in any regards, uh, in any manner. So, but that aside, the only thing I think, I thought he was getting it wrong when he was talking about fear of like saying, do you believe in God? Well, do I act like I believe in God and man? Uh, Nietzsche saying that only one man was a Christian, that was Christ. Well, that's that sounds good, but it's 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 false. And he made it seem like it was impossible. It's impossible to be Christ. And that's not what being a Christian is. A Christian is following Christ, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and following him as a born-again believer, as someone who, like he said later on, you know, belief is something that ought to, and in many cases has transformed someone. Well, there's a gospel promise that when you believe, right, that you are to be born again, not just from the moment of belief, you know, like, like, uh, I'm not a proponent of sinner's prayer and just saying, you know, reading the script, saying his words and, and poof, you're a believer now, you're now converted. But no, there is a transformation that comes through the faith. There's, that there's a gospel promise that it is to change man and therefore redeem him from original sin, from our fallen state, from our carnal ways, that being born again, the spirit, the spirit that God gives us is for one, an earnest, is a, is a down payment of a promise that he is coming back to redeem you, like someone putting something down to the pawn shop and then coming back and getting out of hock. There is something put down that is proof that he's coming back to redeem to bring you back to him, to be with him. And there is a promise that that day, that's when we will be like him. That's John, the third chapter, you know, uh, first John, excuse me, uh, first John, the third chapter. That's when we will be like him, right? When he returns, um, we will be given, you know, a, a celestial, you know, a heavenly body, a resurrected body um, that doesn't have the infirmities of the human condition, right? The the nature of Adam. So that's, that's it's like he's missing it. He's saying that there ought to be transformation, but I feel like he's missing it in the first part of that when he's, when he's like utterly terrified and distraught at what it must mean to try to be like Christ. And you can't be, you can be a heck of a lot like him. If you're actually born again, if you have his spirit, that spirit is that guiding light, is that compass that even though you may have a nature or a mind and, and, and upon instinct, want revenge, want to lash out, want to fight, that thing is supposed to hone you back in. And it does. I speak from experience and any believer watching this can say the miraculous things you may have witnessed in your life uh, just from self-control, love, forgiveness, tolerance. Um, for someone else, but that doesn't mean you did it all the time. It was perfect. You know, we're just supposed to yield to that guidance, yield to that spirit that uh, transforms us, creates a change in our life. And we're supposed to metaphorically or spirit, spiritually, not metaphorically, but 
um, bury, you know, mortify those evil deeds, the the human way, which is sedition and, and arguments and, and fights and division and hate, um, among others. So, but overall, I mean, what do you want from the man? I, I think I think look at the the intellectual community, the academic community. It's like, what do you expect from them? You know, and and I feel like if if God looks at change and transformation and conversion and belief in any uh, realistic regard then it's, you can't judge it with the same measuring stick. And what I mean by that is if you're coming from academia, like he's practically converted already. You know what I mean? Because, because he's coming at such a disadvantaged position. Whereas like Cornelius, I mentioned earlier, Cornelius was coming from a world that most people believed in some sort of God at that time. They believed in the spiritual world. They believed in these things, even if it was many gods and, and different things. But but they weren't uh, predominantly atheists. It wasn't the common practice, and so you know, you know what I mean. Like he's already coming from a theist perspective, and he's so he's close. But you're you're coming from he's halfway there, and the things he's saying is making sense. He's close, but close is not theist. Close is not um, Christian. Close is not saved. Close is not born again. And um, the the last thing was the uh, disclaimer. You know, I I have a high level high level of respect and admiration for Dr. Jordan Peterson. I have a a high level of care when dealing with anyone who is is my superior many many times over in these fields that I don't have the hubris and and therefore audacity to criticize their words in manners that only a fool would you know so I speak carefully I speak in respect to consideration of his knowledge of the 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 um the breadth of of the things that he's studied and understands and has considering it is considering, and I do so with with um, love and respect because from following through the years, man, I, I look at him as my brother, you know, and um, I'm I'm really rooting for him, but I appreciate the things he's doing and the things he's saying, and uh, yeah, so I think that was good. I wanted to share. I wasn't sure what it was going to get into. It actually got into a video we've kind of already dealt with um, before, but I think it's beneficial um, for Christians and and uh, theist atheist alike. Um, this is, this is valid content, you know, in this realm, in this conversation. And, um, you know, I really appreciate him for his views, for his knowledge, for the things he says. Um, so let me know what you guys think. I mean, what do you guys think just in general, uh, about any one of those, you know, things that he touched on? Yeah, definitely huge, huge recommendation to check out more of what he talks about in a secular sense. He brings immense value to the average person. A lot of respect to him, a lot of appreciation. Um, but anyway, let me know what you think in the comments. And, um, you know, thank you for watching. Axe242.com for more. Thanks.